in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. The Lord has just been placed on the altar for us to meditate in silence here because he will have something to tell us as he always does anytime we do our prayer he has something to tell us he wants to enlighten us in some way wants us to grow closer to him and uh, of course uh, our model for that closeness in a human being is the Blessed Mother, Our Lady. Especially during this month of May, the Church dedicates this month to venerating her and showing our love for her so that we too can in a certain way imitate her, especially her docility to the Holy Spirit. She is called the spouse of God, the Holy Spirit. In a week from now, the Church celebrates uh, Pentecost, and on our way there, we have our Blessed Mother to teach us how to be docile. She's called the spouse. When does this really uh, begin? Well, we are all familiar with the really introductory passage in the gospel that introduces us to the Blessed Mother, Mary, it's uh, the Annunciation. When she receives the Incarnate Word at that crucial moment in uh, redemptive history, remember what the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Of course, there was already a revelation of God in the third person acting from God the Father, giving Mary this incarnate word, the, the Son of God. And it can only happen in this way, that, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit would come and inject her with, with the, you know, the Word incarnate. Instead, the, the Holy Spirit worked very dynamically because He always acts in accordance with the Father and the Son. They're not separate compartments, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They, they don't act like, kind of like in different departments of a of a company where people don't really talk to each other. They, they always act together in a kind of uh, dynamic symphony. And uh, with the Holy Spirit, there's both power and as a result, there is infusion and also this shadow. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That means 
the Holy Spirit was like a constant overshadowing presence hovering over her in her life. And as we reflect now on the Blessed Mother who brought Christ into the world, we ask too that the Holy Spirit be always overshadowing our our life, our decisions, our prayer. He's overshadowing us mysteriously right now. And uh, Pope Francis, uh, Pope uh, Benedict spoke about this word to overshadow. He referred to it with regards to the temple, the Holy of Holies. Because really Mary is like a, a tent, the tent in the desert where God dwelt guiding the people of Israel. God dwelt in a sacred cloud. They called it in Hebrew the Shekinah. The Shekinah. It was this visible sign of God's presence. That visible sign was expressed in the form of a cloud, like a pillar. And it conceals the fact that God is dwelling in his house. Yet at the same time, it points to the fact that he's dwelling there. The cloud casts its shadow over men and comes back later also in the passage of the Transfiguration where Jesus there too is covered in a cloud. And James and John and, and Peter, they see that. They see this cloud. And Jesus is kind of hidden by this cloud. It's a sign, again, of God's presence, of God's self Revelation in his hiddenness, like behind this cloud. And this sacred cloud, you see it throughout the Old Testament, in the different theophanies, the different places in which God reveals himself. Where God is truly present, it's always with this cloud. Like Moses who goes up Mount Sinai, there was clouds up there. Or the Son of God, who, the Son of Man, who comes on the clouds in the vision that Daniel had, the prophet Daniel. Or when Jesus is transfigured on Mount Tabor, he's, he's surrounded by a cloud. Or the cloud that led the people of Israel through the journey in the desert. There was a cloud there, too. And yesterday, in the Feast of the Ascension, we saw that it was a cloud that took Jesus from their presence, like he was standing there, he was blessing them at Bethany, and suddenly a cloud came and kind of like apparently took him away. And, um, and that cloud, for us, it's not, it's not simply a meteorological phenomenon. It's not just vapor or whatever clouds are. It's really a sign of God's presence. And this was something that was particularly this presence of God this presence of the Holy Spirit was particularly overshadowing uh, the Blessed Mother. And at that moment, in the Incarnation, in the Annunciation, the Holy Spirit, who had already possessed Mary's soul from the very beginning, from her Immaculate Conception, so God was already in her soul, keeping her pure and unique. Now, He comes with such exceptional plenitude that He formed in her the sacred body of Jesus. And that's why she is called the spouse of the Holy Spirit. She is his possession. 
She is his sanctuary. She is like a temple. She's like a tabernacle. A garden enclosed because she was never defiled in any way. Not even for one single instant was she ever defiled. Never defiled by the shadow of sin. Never subjected to unruly passions like anger or resentment. And that's why, really, we have to go to the Blessed Mother and ask her that she intercede for us so that we too have that same close connection with that Divine Presence of the Holy Spirit. That, that imagine that the Holy Spirit is like a shadow over our life. And since he was a shadow over her life, she gave the greatest fruit that you could ever possibly give. She gave birth to the, to the Messiah. And she was always faithful to that spouse, to the Holy Spirit. She was a faithful spouse, let's say. And she was always uh, attentive to his impulses. She was attentive to his inspirations. You know, that's what you have to remember, that if the Holy Spirit is overshadowing your life, if he's overshadowing your family, your marriage, the situations that you have to go through, the hardships, the difficulties, or for that matter, even the joys, you have to be, you and I have to be like attentive and, and aware of what we sometimes call those the movements of the Holy Spirit, or in the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the invitations to greater generosity, or to try to be at peace. Mm-hmm. And so it is important to know really at any given moment which virtue the Holy Spirit wants you to give priority to. He he wants you to struggle in more. We can't struggle in everything. We can't take on all the virtues all at once. But at every moment there's something He wants of us. So that we follow not just our ideas but according to what God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, actually wants from us. Because that is what will make us infinitely more uh, effective. We can sometimes get a little bit worked up. Just want We want our way. We want our way to be done. We want this. We want to have the authority to decide things on our terms. But letting ourselves be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit really means that we let ourselves be determined by God, what God wants, because He has a specific will every day for us that we have to be faithful to. Because it could happen that we have this sense of autonomy, our sense of responsibility, all that. Would, that could happen that we take an overly sort of proactive control of everything in our life, as though we had to do everything, and not really let God's action step in. Mary is our mother, but she is the spouse of the Holy Spirit, and she intervenes in our life through her motherly intercession. We experience that intercession every day. We can kind of feel it every time we go. You go into your into your uh, into your home when you see an image of Our Lady. She's interceding for us. She's our mother. But she's a mother that wants us to be faithful to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our life. Perhaps you heard that story of young Karl Wojtyla, who became Pope John Paul II when he was in Poland as a young boy. He said he would often see his father praying 
next to the bed, kneeling on the hardwood floor. And uh, he'd seen this quite frequently. And he said that he could see his own father invoking the Holy Spirit. He said that seeing his own father pray like that, that's what taught him how to pray and how to deal with the Holy Spirit. He said that was the source of his own uh, encyclical on the Holy Spirit called the Dominum et Vivicantum. Lord, the giver of life. Vivificantum, the giver of life. He wrote a whole encyclical on the Holy Spirit many years ago now. But on that day when he saw his father praying, he understood that, whoa, there was something special because he looked particularly downtrodden and sad. Indeed, his father explained to him, my son, he was nine years old, he had just done his first communion. My son, your mother has passed away. She's passed. And... uh, this was on April 13th, 1929. He was nine years old. Her name was Emilia Wojtyla. Her maiden name was Kasrarwoska. She died at the age of 45 as a result of an inflammation of the heart muscle and kidney failing. So he was very young. He had other brothers as well and a sister. And so... His father, whose also whose name was also Carol, Carol Senior, took him to the parish there in Vadovice. It was Our Lady of Calvaria. And he took the child to an image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And he had his child gaze at that image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And he said, uh, Maybe God has permitted for your mother to be taken to him. But now, he said, this, this will be your mother. And the boy stared at that image, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. It's an old, very old Byzantine icon. It's been reproduced and copied many, many times. It's from the 13th century. It's also known as Our Lady of Perpetual Succor. Succor. And there, in this image, you can see it in the... There is actually a parish of Our Lady of Perpetual Help here in Toronto on St. Clair and, uh, and uh, Mount Pleasant around there. I did a pilgrimage there the other day and discovered it. And hanging down in the apse of the church is a kind of a... looks almost like a medal or like, a, like an icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. It's a beautiful church built in 1929 during the reign of... Pius XI. And in this icon, Mary holds her child, and she's kind of like, as we often see in these ancient icons, she's kind of like pointing at him. Like she's kind of like saying, This is the way to salvation. Right? She's got her hand like that. But what is unique about this icon, and I'm sure you've seen it reproduced, it's, a, it's you know, you get little images and everywhere, but what's unique is she's pointing at him, but he is, he's tenderly grabbing her hand. The child. The child looks like a mini adult. You know, he, he doesn't really look like a child. He looks like a small man, you know, like a small Jesus, but a uh, small Jesus man, but yeah. But I looked at it and said, why is he, like, what's he doing? Like, how can he hold onto her hand like that? He's got both little hands on the big hand of Mary. And then you look at his face and he's looking away. But what is he looking at? Well, on either side of this icon, there are two angels and they are holding the instruments of the Passion, which was a common way of 
representing the passion with the different instruments, you know, like the, the flagellation, the, the, the crown of thorns, the nails, uh, all the elements of the passion. Here, I think one of them is holding the, fla the, you know, the, the column of the flagellation, the other one's holding the, the crown of thorns. And it's as though, like, it's a way of representing little Jesus, still a, man, a little baby, but he kind of looks like a man. But anyway, he's looking at the, the instruments of the passion. He's kind of frightened by them. And so she tenderly, as his mother, mother of perpetual help, she sort of uh, is comforting him. And um, as he sees this instrument, she, he seeks comfort in her. She's his mother. And that, that, that original icon is now in, in Rome, in Sant'Alfonso de Liguori, there on the Esquiline Hill. It's a beautiful neo-Gothic church, but it had been in Rome for, for a long time. I don't know how long, but it, it, it had been in different places, and they burnt the place down, they saved it, and some people stole it, and I mean, it's just got a whole rocambolesque uh, history, that, that icon. But that's what we have to do, too. It's an image of what we have to do. We have to go to our mother and seek comfort in our mother, just like John Paul II took comfort in that very image when he was a little boy. We can seek uh, resilience. We can seek out a kind of a courage that we need in moments of suffering or contradiction. Courage in front of uh, humiliations or just a very decision, difficult decision we're going to make. We have to make a difference. You know, what, what should I do? Ask the Holy Spirit for light. Ask the Holy Spirit for clarity. Ask the Blessed Mother. Like you got Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit. So like, you know, you got like a, you got two for one there, you know. And uh, coming close to her in front of problems. Everybody has some problem, difficulty that we have to face with supernatural vision. And so coming close to her will inspire more devotion, more openness, more attentiveness to the fact that we are being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit at all times, like our Blessed Mother was. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's what the angel said and promised. And Mary of Perpetual Help will intercede so that we too remain docile to the Holy Spirit. And that is how she helps us, so that we stay docile, not, not so much to her, but to the Holy Spirit, so that we feel overshadowed, to know God's plan, to open ourselves to that plan always. When Mary was uh, with the angel, she just asked, you know, how, how can this be? For I'm a virgin, how can that be? She asked for some clarification. And the angel told her, the Holy Spirit will descend upon you. That's what will happen. She had that clear. She understood that. You know, and it was, it was good. You know, her radar was totally attuned to God's plan. And we have to be attuned to God's motions. The, these, what they call them promptings. A prompting is like, it's like a signal. It's like a code to do something. You know, it's like a password. Boom, boom. You know, what's the password to get into your phone? You know? Well, if you, if you don't have the password, you're, just, you're not going to get it. I mean, sorry, you can look at it and it recognizes not you. It doesn't recognize that face, so it says, forget it, I'm not opening for you. 
unless you have a twin. You know. I know two twins, they open each other's phones, you know, <laughs> with their faces. You know. I don't think they can open with the fingerprint, but anyway. Though they don't know each, other pa each other's password, but they know each other's faces. And so, we can ask that of the Holy Spirit. For example, you know, we may be making a supreme effort to correct a character defect that we may have, that we become aware of. While maybe, in fact, our Lord is just asking us to accept these limitations with humility and gentleness towards ourselves. Just humbly accepting our limitations. The Holy Spirit's there and He... He wants to like set the correct tone so that we just don't, we're not off key. You know how awkward it is to, when you're in a choir and somebody sings off key. It's just like, ugh, it's cringe, you know. So these inspirations of grace are really invaluable to help enable us to, to direct our, our efforts correctly. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. He'll direct, he'll channel our efforts in all the many battles that we have to wage to be more pious, to be more open to God's grace, to be really the kinds of souls that God is trying to forge with us, with our cooperation. But he'll do that through these inspirations. Otherwise, you know, there, without these inspirations, there's a serious danger that we may either let ourselves off the hook too easily on certain points, or demand of ourselves more than what God is actually asking of us, or demanding of us. That's just as bad. We do more than God really wants. You know? We can become like, that's what happens to perfectionists. A person who's a perfectionist, you know, tries to be more perfect than God. I think the Blessed Mother was not a perfectionist. It's true, God calls us to perfection, but he does not call us to be perfectionists. There's a difference. And uh, perfection is reached not so much by external conformity to an ideal that we imagine, but to inner faithfulness to God's plan. How? By being docile to the Holy Spirit. And so maybe Our Lady can help us flee from dangerous forms of obsessive perfectionism in work, in the way the house looks, in over-controlling your spouse. No. You should be like this, you should be like that. No. A kind of a rigorism that sets in. It happens, you know, people, as long as I do this, as long as I do it like that, we're okay. It's almost as though we're putting the Holy Spirit aside. It's okay, I'll take care of this Holy Spirit. I'll do it, so it's all right. It's almost as though His role in our soul is like, eh, whatever. If He wants to, okay, you know. But it's kind of like He's irrelevant, you know. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll do the repairs. Like St. Francis de Sales, he had that problem. He, he had a, a friendship with a famous nun. Her name was Jean Francis de Chantal in the 17th century there. In France, she founded the Visitation Sisters, and she was a perfectionist, you know. And she made everybody suffer. 
and uh, like you see her perfectionism in action and you die basically you know and Francis de Sales watched her the way she disciplined the women in her order she was like way strict the slightest faults you know she grow really in great frustration with relatives and employees who didn't you know just who fell short of her high standards and uh, she really prioritized uh, his rule following and strict adherence to her own devotional schedule and um, well he had to deal with that right and so maybe that's part of what our lady can help us you know thanks to her she can make us more attuned to the action of the holy spirit in our life let's let's ask her for that you know think spouse of the holy spirit and uh, that's how the grace of god acts in us as long as we're really faithful to those motions those promptings those you know get up now things that the Holy Spirit uh, invites us to do. We, we have time now, you know, some quiet time, we'll have an examination of conscience read out and then try to be as quiet and as still as you can so you can pick up in at least one question, just one, something that you can tweak, improve or change in your life. On that question, you decide that question, because the Holy Spirit will prompt you. And our Blessed Mother, well, she's our mother of perpetual help and she'll intercede for you and me. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you.